Hey, good morning, White Oak, and welcome. It is really good to be here with you. My name is Kevin. I'm the campus pastor here. And if you're watching us online, I want to say good morning and thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We are, as Aaron said, culminating our courageous series. We've been in the book of Joshua. Uh, This is our fifth week now. And as we've been journeying through the book of Joshua, I'm reminded of God's words to Joshua back in chapter one. He said, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? And those words have just really sat with me over the last month as we've been going through this series together, this call from Joshua or on Joshua's life from God to be strong and courageous. And if you remember back in chapter one, God says it three times in a row, be strong and courageous. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous. Because the deal is, the issue is, is that all of us, we have this fear in our life. Fear to take steps, fear that things are gonna go wrong. We, we all struggle and battle with fear. We, we fail to trust people. We have moments of weakness and, uh, and God's reminder for us to be strong and courageous is probably what we all need to hear. It's what we need to be reminded of. And, and that's the message really of the book of Joshua. It, it is to face your fears, to trust in God and to know that he goes out before you. And so as we conclude this series, uh, we find the people of God, they are now in the promised land. They're living in the promised land and they are about to take on the largest city, the first city that they're gonna come to and that is the city of Jericho. But the issue is, the problem is, is that this city is occupied by people who stand against God. And so in uh, the very beginning here, Joshua chapter five, God's people are already nervous. They're already a little bit uh, afraid, but God has been doing something in the background that I want you to see. And so if you've got your Bible with you, I want you to turn to Joshua chapter five. And so as we, as we look there, uh, if you've got your Bible, you can do that. You can use the Bible app on your phone if you would like. Uh, we've got free Bibles out at the hub. We would love to put the word of God in your hand. But Joshua chapter five, verse one, it kind of captures what's going on outside of Israel's camp. What, what does the rest of the land of Canaan think about what God's been doing over the last several weeks? Oh, I turned to the wrong book. That's going to be an issue. I was like, I was like Joshua chapter five, and then I had Judges chapter five, and I was like, that doesn't look right at all. All right, now, here we go. Joshua chapter five. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear. And they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. Do you see what's going on there? Do you you hear what is happening in the lives of the people who are kind of been standing against God? It said they heard about what God had been doing and they melted. 
God is up to something here, and, uh, and the Israelites just need to be able to trust it. Word has gotten out about what God has done. What is there to fear for us when we are following the almighty God that goes out before us? God has brought these people out of slavery, out of Egypt, into this promised land, and they can trust that he is going to fulfill the promises he makes. God's promises are as good as done. This is our big idea for today, and if you wanna write that down in your uh, courageous guide, you can do that. Uh, You wanna write that down uh, in a notebook or something that you brought, you can do that as well. God's promises are as good as done. The issue that you and I have is that we all have someone in our life who's let us down. We all have someone in our life who we can't trust, right? Someone who you've uh, depended on for something, someone who's told you they're gonna do something and then they fail to do it. And so that that experience, it, it deteriorates our ability to put our faith in people, to trust people. People all around us have let us down. But for us, the thing that we need to remember, the thing that we need to cling to is that God delivers on his promises. God can be trusted. God is not the one that has failed us. God is not the one that has let us down. Even though people break their promises to us, even though we've been let down by people in the past, it's not God who is failing us. It is people and God fulfills his promises. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you can trust in God? God tells Joshua that he's never going to leave him or forsake him. Joshua can trust that promise. He told Israel that he was going to bring them out of slavery and give them a land that was going to be their own, that it would flow with milk and honey, that they would live there and that they would prosper. And they can trust that. In the New Testament, God gives us a promise that through his son, Jesus, that we can have life and not just any life, but we can have life to the full. That Jesus brings us hope and purpose. Do you believe in God's promises? And so in Joshua chapter five, we continue on. Joshua now is going to have an interaction with someone and uh, I think you're gonna find it quite fascinating. We're gonna skip ahead and uh, we're now in the uh, Joshua chapter five. We're gonna be in verse, starting with verse 13 and go through 15. It says, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? 
Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. It's an interesting question, isn't it? Are you for us or our enemies, he asks this man. And what does this man reply? There's a couple things. We're going to look at his response and we're going to look at his identity. But first, let's just take a look at his response. He says, neither. He says, I am for the Lord. How many times do we kind of think that way? Ask that question. God, are you for me? God, are you with me on this? When maybe the question that God would have for us is, no, 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 the, the question is, are you with me? Are you for me? This man says, I, I'm for neither. I, I am for the Lord. And as the commander of the Lord's army, that's the title this man gives him. So who is this man that Joshua is talking to? Could be an angel. First and only time we see this uh, title given. But there's some interesting things that take place. First thing is that uh, Joshua drops down to bow almost in worship of this man. Now, angels, when we see their interaction with people in the New Testament, uh, they shun worship. Stand up, I'm not God, right? He also tells Joshua, he says, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. Maybe that sounds familiar to you. God said the same thing to Moses when Moses came and interacted with God at the burning bush. Take off your sandals, he says, because the place where you are standing is holy. What, what made that place holy? It was the presence of God at the burning bush. And so what makes this place holy where Joshua is talking could be that he is standing in the very presence of the Lord. A lot of scholars believe that this could be the, it's a technical term, the incarnate, pre-incarnate Jesus. That means we know that Jesus is eternal. He was with God in the beginning. Everything that was made was made through him. Jesus has been from the very beginning of time. But there is a time in history when Jesus came in human form as a child. This is before that. And so Jesus's appearance as a man would be before he is incarnate, before he is uh, taking on the form of a human child. This is Jesus in a different form. And throughout the Old Testament, we have several places where we might have this uh, Jesus sighting, if you will. And so what, what does any of this mean? Uh, Joshua, before the battle of Jericho, is uh, on his way to Jericho and he meets this man 
the commander of the Lord's army. And so what's this interaction all about? Well, if you've been with us as we've been studying the book of Joshua, one of the things that's been clear has been that God has been with Joshua. God's presence has been with Joshua. Whether it's been God speaking directly to Joshua and telling him, hey, I want you to be strong and courageous. Whether it's been the presence of God moving through the Ark of the Covenant that stood as a reminder of God's presence with Israel and uh, stood in the middle of the Jordan River as the river was parted. Or whether it's here the commander of the Lord's army before they battle Jericho. And I think it's a reminder to Joshua. I'm with you. You're not gonna go in this alone, right? And that when God says something is done, it's done because Joshua could begin to maybe think, Got to get ready. Got to get my troops going. Got to get ready. We're going to take on uh, the city of Jericho. And then who shows up? The commander of the Lord's army to remind Joshua who's really in control of this situation. You know, one of my favorite Psalms to read, and, and, and I happen to, to need to read it quite a bit if I'm, uh, if I'm doing like a funeral or something for somebody, is the 23rd Psalm. I don't know how many of you are uh, familiar with the 23rd Psalm or if the 23rd Psalm is a, has a special place for you. Uh, but in the middle of that, it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though I walk through the darkest valley, he says, you're with me. God is with me. Doesn't promise that, uh, that you're gonna go through a valley and that God's gonna meet you on the other side. No, the promise is that when I walk through this darkness, I don't walk through it alone. And so here before the biggest battle of Joshua's life, the Lord appears to him to give him the courage and the reminder that he's not going through this alone. And church, I, I just want you to know that whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever it is that you're going through, whatever battle stands in front of you, whatever walls there are that are in your life, you're not alone. It might feel like it. You might look around and say, where is everybody? God's promise is that he is with us. That's what the name Jesus, Emmanuel even means, God with us, came to be with us, among us. And so that's the encouragement that Joshua gets right leading up to this moment. Now we wanna look ahead, Joshua chapter six, we're gonna look at uh, verses two through five says, then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its kings and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. 
When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. This is the plan. This is the plan to take on Jericho. Do you see what God said to Joshua? It says the Lord spoke to Joshua. He said, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Let me ask you a question. Has the battle of Jericho happened yet? No, but when God speaks it, he talks about it as if it has already happened. You see, God's promises are as good as done. God says, I've already done this. And the next part seems strange. He says, here's what I want you to do. We've got this great battle plan. He says, every morning you're gonna wake up and you're gonna march around that city one time. He said, you got some people that play instruments, grab them. We're gonna march around this city one time every day. That's gonna show them. And this is the plan. And then on the seventh day, you're gonna march around the city seven times. And when I tell you, you're gonna shout and those walls are gonna come down. Why is this God's plan? Why is this the way in which Joshua is going to take down Jericho? Because by any other way, Joshua might believe or Israel might believe that they did it under their own power. But this idea is so crazy that if it works, there's only one place that you can point and that is that God did it. You see, we, we like to have these big, bold ideas about how we're gonna get things done. And God says, won't you just step back and let me do it? I've already done it. I've delivered Jericho into your hands. Now see, seven represents completeness in scripture. Seven days of creation. On the seventh day, God sat back and rested and says, it is good. And so anytime you see seven in the Bibles, it could be referring to this idea of completion, that it is finished, it is done. See, if Joshua and the nation of Israel, if they got up every morning and they marched around the uh, city of Jericho for six days and then they stopped, no victory. And if on that seventh day they got up and they marched around the city six times and they decided, you know what, this isn't working. I haven't seen a single stone move. Guess what? No victory. Our victory comes through our obedience. God says, I want you to do this for six days and then on the seventh day, I want you to do it seven times. And we only receive our victory when we're obedient to do what God says. And so church, I want you to know that each and one of us, we have walls that are in our life. We've got walls that are in our life as well. And the question is, will you allow the Lord to fight for you? This whole thing, it reminds me of what God said to Moses. He says this, he says, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. He said, the Lord's gonna do the work. 
And so as you think about the walls that you have in your own personal life, can you identify them? Can you see how those walls are holding you back from having a full experience, a full relationship with God, your father? And they take all shapes and sizes. There are walls of addiction. There's walls of greed. There's walls of jealousy. I mean, we build these walls up and they're strong. And then we try to, with our own bare hands, tear them down. But we're not able. For me, I'm a fixer. I like to fix problems. And so whether it's here at work, uh, church, uh, people bring their problems to me, or whether it's at home, uh, I just want to try to fix it right away, you know? And, and it doesn't make me a great listener because as soon as you start sharing your issue with me, your problem with me, I go into like that mode where it's like, okay, here's how we can start to fix this. But when I'm doing that, you know what I'm doing? And this is honest. I'm trying to fix it. And what I've realized is that I need to spend a whole lot more time listening. I need to spend a whole lot more time praying than trying to under my own strength, under my own power so that I can get the credit fixing the things that are going on in other people's lives. It's a wall for me. And I can try to tear it down on my own, but here's the reality. I need God to bring this wall down in my life. And I know that you're sitting there right now and some of you've got some walls and they've been there for a long time that God wants to bring down. And they come down through being obedient to his word and through prayer and through complete reliance on him. You know, in this series, we've been focused on this idea of being strong and courageous. And so uh, that can take a lot of different forms in our life. It can. The call for God on our life to be strong and courageous. And in this season, we are specifically asking people to consider what courage looks like when it comes to their generosity. And so, uh, as Aaron said, you might have noticed that there were some commitment cards that were around you. I think everybody probably has access to one that you can look at if you want to. Um, but I, I just want to really quickly, the best I can, explain to you what, uh, what this card is and, uh, and, and what we're kind of looking at as you look inside of it. We're really looking for three types of commitments from all of us. Maybe you're new here. Uh, maybe you did not make a shaken commitment a year ago with the rest of White Oak. And uh, you know, if that's you, um, we're asking people to consider a first time commitment. And that first time commitment is for one year. It's from December through uh, December of 2024. And uh, in that top box, because you're new, uh, you would just mark uh, your one year shaking commitment. If you're new to all this and God's been moving in your life to, uh, to challenge you to make a commitment. The second one is called Finish Strong, and that's for anyone who made a shaking commitment last year. And uh, if you were honest with yourself, you would say, you know what, my shaking commitment that I made a year ago, it is just as challenging for me now as it was then, maybe more so. 
our encouragement for you is to finish strong. So in the second box, if that's you, you would just write down your two-year total shaken commitment, the same number that you wrote down a year ago. And the final box, that last one, is for someone who is considering making a increase in their shaking commitment. God's done something in their life, situation has changed, and they said, you know what? If I'm honest, my shaking commitment has just kind of become too easy. I don't even think about it anymore. And God's been moving in my life to do something different. And so in a few moments uh, later on in the service, we'll have a time to fill this out and to pray over this uh, as one per family. And so uh, we just, we encourage you to be thinking about this and hopefully this isn't the first moment that you've opened that card. This isn't the first time you've thought about uh, making this commitment to God, but that's a little bit about what is going into this shaken commitment that we're about to go into. You know, in Joshua chapter five, before the parts we read earlier, Joshua sits down with the people of Israel before they're going to attack Jericho, before they're going to follow God's instructions. And the people of Israel celebrate Passover together. I don't know if you're fully familiar with Passover, but Passover is the meal that they use to celebrate what God did in Egypt, getting them out of slavery and into freedom. The Passover angel passed over Egypt and uh, the people of Israel were spared from the Passover angel because they put the blood of a lamb over their doorstep or over their doorframe. And so this uh, doorframe that was covered in the blood was a uh, reminder to them that death had passed over their home and that they had been spared. Fast forward, few thousand years and Jesus is in the upper room with his people, his 12. And he takes that same Passover meal and he turns it around. He says, you know what? I want you to do this as a remembrance, not of what God did for Moses and the people of Israel. He said, I want you to do this as a remembrance for me. And so Israel with Joshua, they, they used this Passover meal to do two things. It was one, to remember everything that God had done. If you've been reading through Joshua with us at all, you know that there's just been so much callback to remember what God has done. He brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery. He parted the Red Sea, he parted the Jordan River. And so there's been all this looking back at what God's done. And church, I I want you to be able to do that as well. I want you to be able to look back and reflect on and remember what God has done in your life. They also used it as a moment of preparation because they believed that God wasn't done with them. That God was about to do something new and bold through them as they entered into a new city to take on a new land. And so God prepared their hearts for what was next. 
And so today I want you to take, you've got communion packs around you uh, that you grabbed on your way in. If you didn't get them, they are at the tables in the back. And we're gonna do communion just a little bit different today. I actually baked this bread last night. It's some uh, unleavened bread that I made for myself. And uh, we're going to take communion together in a little bit. But I want you to grab your cup and I want you to go ahead and open that and have that. And I want to give you a few minutes just to quietly sit and to reflect back on what God has done in your life, to reflect back and remember the gift of Jesus and the sacrifice that he made on the cross on your behalf. And I want you to think about what God's about to do in your life not just here with Shaken, but with everything that God wants to do, because I think that church, we're on the precipice of doing something new, that God is moving us into new places. And so we use this as a moment to prepare us, reflecting on what God has done and preparing us for what God is about to do. So would you take a moment and just reflect on God's goodness and then we'll come back and we will take communion all together. Would you take your bread? For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. Will you take your cup? In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's take the cup together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the blessings you pour out on us, God. We thank you so much for your son, Jesus, and the sacrifice that he made for each and every one of us. God, we pause right now and we remember 
what Jesus did on the cross. We remember the power to raise him from the dead in the empty tomb, God. And we know that you're not done with us. Prepare us for what you have next. We thank you so much. God, thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.